honestly, it's bacon me crazy. I'm just saying I would be for it. I love bacon. I love breakfast meats. Um, I do too, but not in my bedroom. But why not? The opportunity is there. You just wake up. Who has to go to brunch? You just wake up and have your bacon. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Another Bite, the show where we rewatch some of the greatest and, well, the most intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Ariel Boswell, and I'm joined by John Dick. Hey. And Leslie Green. Hey, everyone. And today, we're going to give you something to really sink your teeth into, like how one company is on a mission to make meditation a habit and a product that gives Folgers a run for their money with the best part of waking up claim. But first, a shocking invention that will spark a change in your habits. But before we get into all that, we got bills to pay. So as they say, a word from our sponsor. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John? Maybe Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help. Well, in the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together in one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive revenue and retention. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of their journey. Visit HubSpot.com service so you can do more with your customers today. First up in the tank is Pavlock. This is a season seven uh, product presented by Manish Sethi from Boston. He is asking for half a million dollars for a 3.14% stake, which if you're good at doing quick mental math, that comes out to a $16 million valuation. Pavlock is a habit-racking and behavior-changing wearable watch-like device that releases a, quote, mild electric sensation, unquote, <laughs> that essentially shocks you if you're doing something wrong. It it, se- it self-shocks you. It's, it's not like exactly. It's not like if you like, it's not like you like reach for, I don't know, the chocolate bar and it shocks you. You have to reach for the chocolate bar and then say, no, zap. Yes, this is my biggest issue with this. Like he, I did identify with some of the things he was talking about. He was talking about like nail biting. He was talking about like ADHD and like, I get it. I get it. It's really hard to change habits and you do have to like break that loop. But the problem is, is like I'm responsible for shocking myself. So if I'm starting to bite my nails, like I probably don't even know that I'm biting my nails until I'm like two minutes into biting my nails. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, and then it's just a punishment device where you just hurt yourself. medieval torturing device brought to modern day. Like, what did we expect when he's like, I hired somebody to slap me. I couldn't get myself to commit to anything. So I did what any normal person would do. I hired someone to sit down next to me and slap me in the face every time I went on Facebook. Nice. All right, listen, Manish is like, Manish is an extreme guy, okay? (laughs) He wants to sell pie percent of his company. Like number two, yeah, he's hired somebody to slap him in the face. There's a a lot of extreme things about Manish as a founder and he's uh mm-hmm. he seems like he's a pretty intense person and as like the negotiation went on you really started to see it like he started to just be like you could tell how frustrated he was getting 
John, just kind of from your perspective um, about Manish, um, knowing that he's from Boston, how do you feel about him <laughs> representing Boston tech? <laughs> I like that I'm the guy from Boston. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't mind having a donkeys with, with Manish. I wouldn't mind having a coffee. Seems like maybe I get along with him. He seems like he has interesting ideas. He seems yeah. very smart. Like, I was like, I think you probably, like, have read all of those studies and, like, have a really strong and passionate point of view. I think I'd learn a lot about you. I think you have to be kind of, like, out there and intense and whatever those words you want to use to be a founder, to try to, like, bring these huge ideas to life. So, you know, I don't want to, like drag him for that I mean do I think the soft skills and the interpersonal uh, dynamic and communication could potentially use a little polish in his pitches yes 100% listen I don't know if anybody else in Shark Tank history has ever electrocuted the sharks as part of their pitch strategy but that is like an extreme (laughs) strategy like this is like he was playing for stakes he was like I want my company valued at like $15 $15 million, even though I haven't shipped a single device, and I'm going to electrocute you. What do you all think? <laughs> yeah, he didn't really hesitate to uh, to turn up the notch, really, literally, on the device for the sharks. I think there were a few um, naughty words that were censored out from the sharks as uh, so the intensity scaled. Yeah, you know, it was interesting because um, I think, you know, Mark brought up a good point saying, you know, the one thing that kills tech products is hyperbole. So what did we think about his pitch, his studies, and kind of how the sharks reacted to it. I thought the extreme reaction was too much. I actually think like, yeah, okay, maybe he's trying to like pass off. He should have been more honest. And I get that. I get he was trying to talk a big game about aversion therapy and how it's proven to work. And this device could be a way to do that. I think maybe he just positioned it all a little bit wrong. But like to throw the whole business concept out just because of that, like, that was just too much to me. It just felt like, okay, like, Mark, you're just trying to make a scene here. Like, you're trying to be, like, the person who always sniff out the snake oil and, like, calls people for their false claims and stuff. But, like, this guy's, like, legitimately, like, I don't know. I think this device might be pretty cool. And we didn't we didn't really get to hear that because it just was a combative pitch. Yeah. I did find it weird. And maybe this is me understanding that, like, he didn't have a study with specifically his product. He was just using... Mm-hmm. Aversion therapy, like he was using aversion therapy studies. Aversion conditioning. Aversion conditioning, which basically means just like you're not, you're conditioned by negative things. Um, Like it's okay to use that as like a a foundation, but I would have liked to see a little bit more of like, we actually tested this on a hundred patients over, you know, the course of a year to see what habits change. But instead he had these like just very general, like somebody was able to stop biting their nails in four days. And as a nail biter, I was like, that's a lie. <laughs> There's I mean, no maybe way. Maybe if they had it turned all the way up. Like it's possible <laughs> that like they couldn't lift their arms because they had just electrocuted themselves so much or something like that. Yeah. I didn't have as much of a of an issue with him not doing clinical tests because he's not mm-hmm. actually trying to like make a clinical medical claim. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. these things that you put on your body are all just devices to try and do stuff. And there's some amount of them that is like just placebo effect and and focus effect. Like if it is effective for a bunch of people to try aversion therapy to change their habits, Mm -hmm. I don't have any problem with that. And if that's like, have you seen the thing that you put on your back and if you slouch it, like it just buzzes and you're supposed to like sit up? Yeah, I'd be like all day just like consistently electrocuted. No one's calling that company and being like, well, that wasn't medically tested. (laughs) Like, you know, like, People are willing to try things to try and change their habits. I will say, I like. I don't know if I want to go down a path where I change my habits by electrocuting myself. 
I'm much more like the idea of trying to make small compounding benefits and using techniques like stacking and stuff like that to mm -hmm. try and establish better habits. So, you know, if I was going to get a habit forming device or program, I'm not sure I would choose the uh, the electrocute myself. The one thing we didn't touch on was when Mr. Wonderful was just like savage. I would take an offer from anybody besides Mr. Wonderful. Manish, you're a get the out of here. Oh! I think I think Mr. Wonderful in my mind wins for like setting some boundaries, knowing his worth. Mm -hmm. Like that moment for me was just like like a lot of these episodes were a bit of a roller coaster. There was tears, there was screaming, there was cussing. <laughs> but like when Mr. Wonderful was just like, F you, I was like, Yeah, you stick it to him. That's my winner. So what do we all think about if Pavlock is still a company? I just think there's too many other products on the market that are better served. I mean, they're not doing the same thing, but I just, I don't know. My biggest sticking point is that this cannot sense when it needs to shock you and you are required to like be the kind of administrator of the shock. You know how the Apple Watch can like use haptics to wake you up or remind you to breathe and stuff like that. If they could find a way to make that happen, whether it's like, anxiety is like the trigger for you biting your nails if you if it senses your heart rate buzzing like maybe that's that's how it works I don't know I'm not I'm not making Pavlock but I don't feel like it's still around I think that Pavlock is still a company but only because people from Boston aren't quitters <laughs> I think he's out there working for it uh, go Manish well prepare to be shocked Pavlock is still in business yeah so who's buying Pavlock well, apparently the company now has three different wearables and boasts mindfulness monitoring in its app, so beyond just the haptics of it, and even looks like they're building what they call a, quote, exclusive community, unquote. Um, mm. The appearance on the show didn't hurt the company at all. In <laughs> fact, Pavlock added about 10,000 users and sales saw that famous Shark Tank bump. So the net worth of the company is currently figured to about $2 million. So compared to uh, not quite the uh, $16 million that originally valuation was set out for. I'm shocked. And now I'm... <laughs> I'm going to use my Pavlock to stop drinking so much Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I just like also hate the way these look. I just can't get over that. I don't know. I don't want to wear it. I'm out. And for that, I'm out. Leslie's out. I'm in. I'll give him some money. I'll give him some money. Next up in the tank is Simple Habit. Simple Habit was featured in the season nine premiere back in 2017. We actually had a guest shark sit on the tank this episode, Sir Richard Branson, who is a British entrepreneur and billionaire. For those of you that may not be familiar, he's the owner of Virgin, like Virgin Records. I was so excited when I opened this episode and saw him there. What a jaunty fellow, you know, D whole different vibe in the shark tank. <laughs> it really did. He was like, what's wrong with you people? I, know. I think I think that British mentality, it's, it's interesting to see um, compared to more like American investors. But for Simple Habit, we have Yuna Kim from San Francisco. Simple Habit is meditation made simple in five minutes. It's an app that curates thousands of mindfulness experts leading you through quick meditation on the go. Their main differentiator is that they utilize different voices um, as compared to other competitive products within the market. 
market. And this was another big ask. She was asking for $600,000 for a 5% stake, which is a $12 million valuation. I, I personally think that the meditation app space is a very, very interesting space. You know, I used Calm for a, a long time. I've since dropped it, by the way. And actually, I was just, you know, mm-hmm. looking at a, a morning brew article that came out about this space that basically showed, yeah, since last July, uh, which was July of 2021, uh, user sessions of Calm are down about 27% and for Headspace are down about 60%. So big decline recently in the category post-pandemic. But generally, like I'm favorable to the concept. I don't love the brand simple habit, mm-hmm. especially given the competitive space and what strong like immediate reactions you have to common headspace. Mm-hmm. Like simple habit to me is like, it actually sounds like I don't want a habit, right? Like I'm trying to kick my habits, Yeah, you know, like, uh, so I right from the start, I'm like the brand doesn't do it for me in quite the same way as, as the competition, which has me a little worried. My sense about this whole industry is that it is literally all about your ability to build brand so that mm-hmm. you can acquire users in a really cost-effective way. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that the competition to acquire users into these apps is extremely high in direct response channels. And I just feel like they're immediately in a, in a tough spot to do that. Yeah. I think it's also a lot about building the habit. Like I think about apps that have come into my life and have really stuck. Specifically, I think about Duolingo. And the only reason that Duolingo is stuck is because I've let it give me a million notifications to like not lose my streak, not like, you know, not lose that. And so I think it's almost like you need a little bit of gamification to make the meditation like a true deep habit. Or that's that's the only thing that's worked for me. So what's interesting about Simple Habit was their business model, they said 20% of their net revenue goes back to teachers for using their voice, which I found really interesting. And the other point um, that Una brought up is that she already raised $2.8 million, and they had about $2 million of capital sitting in the bank, which I believe Mark raised up the question, why do you have so much capital sitting there? Why are you evaluating us for much lower? Which I think opened up a really good dialogue to kind of dive deeper there. But I thought that was very interesting. It's very rare that we see um, founders or entrepreneurs come on this show that already have that much runway that they're kind of just sitting on. Yeah. You know, it's not surprising that she's already raised money. The challenge for her here is that um, she can't go any lower than her prior valuation. Mm -hmm. She's taken $2.8 million. And if she was to, for instance, take a deal that valued her company at a lower rate, what that would be called is a down round. And a down round essentially means that you are telling your prior investors that they overpaid for your shares, mm-hmm. right? And that their shares are now actually worth less. So she just immediately had this like third rail of like, I can't go below a $12 million valuation because that's what I raised at before. So I'm just going to start there and any takers. And the truth is like none of the sharks are going to take on that because the business is not so impressive or so breakout or so unique that they would take just a small stake in that at that valuation. Like they want businesses they can take a big stake in, that they can have a meaningful impact on that business within a relatively short period of time and see free cash flow returns from it. And so I think there's just like a fundamental mismatch there. So John, what would you want to see or hear from Yuna that would make you want to like be more enticed to be in on this deal? Uh, Well, you know, okay. So what she could have done is she could have said, 
I need to stay at this $12 million valuation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you essentially, um, we'll do a deal like that. But the thing I will throw in is I will throw in something like, uh, like, like options or warrants or something mm -hmm. where she could basically say, you have the ability as an investor, I'm going to give you this ability right now to buy future shares of the company at this value. So in the future, if it's really successful, there could be a dilution event that hurts the rest of the investors. Um, but that's the benefit of getting you as a shark in here. And so there could have been some way she could have structured it. Um, I'm kind of surprised she didn't have more recognition up front that it was impossible to get a deal done the way that she would want to get it done and didn't think of a more creative solution like like options or something like that. She could have proposed a loan and gone the path of saying, I want venture debt uh, from one of you and I'll take the cost of it because what I really want from you is I want your personality. I want you to be an influencer for the brand. Yeah, and I think she she mentions that too. And it, it almost seems like Damon and Mark had a very interesting reaction when she said that I want the influencers, I want to have the connections. Uh, it was I think Mark even went so far as to call her a gold digger. Uh, but yeah, but that's what she is. She's a gold digger. She's a gold digger. she's not a gold digger. <laughs> Did you just call me a gold digger? Yes. <laughs> a gold digger. Listen, yes. that's not, you know what it is? There's so many to which Damon uh, then went to say, you know, was potentially taking away opportunities from others. A very kind of intense reaction from those two sharks. I feel like it just opened up like a whole box of like a philosophical, like why people should or shouldn't come to Shark Tank, who deserves mm -hmm. to be there, who doesn't. I don't know. I felt like they were unnecessarily down on her and there's just no need for name calling. I, I find that really immature and upsetting. It was not my favorite moment in Shark Tank history. Yeah, I did not. I did not like that moment. Uh, it to me, though, was a inappropriate manifestation of something we've seen with other pitches. Just mm -hmm. this idea that like actually like the sharks are not Silicon Valley investors. And I don't think they look fondly upon a lot of Silicon Valley companies, mm -hmm. right? Because I think that what they exist to do is give a couple hundred thousand dollars to someone who is trying to build a business that puts off profitability and cash and like run a portfolio like that and leverage their uh, networks and their relationships and their expertise and all that to do that. Most small businesses don't have access to like, unique funding from people with connections. Mm -hmm. Most small businesses have to take out loans. That is how they get the capital to grow their business. And like, I think it's pretty incredible that Shark Tank has created a forum to offer like, you know, equity exchanges for funding businesses that would traditionally in the past be stuck going to banks for loans and kind of being at the whim of like, if you don't already have free cash flow, like a bank wouldn't give you that loan. Yeah. And that's yeah. such a good point too. I feel like that kind of perspective, I feel like once when one or two sharks start thinking a certain way, it has that opportunity to influence the rest of the sharks. What was really surprising, at least for me to see just seemingly out of nowhere, basically saying, hey, I kind of want to, you know, I'd invest in this for 300K for 10% potentially. Mark Cuban made some funny remarks of like, no, Richard Branson, no, um, which then resulted in water thrown in his face and to which Mark threw water back in uh, Richard Branson's face. Oh, OK. I think the water just has to go. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me tell you what I think. Oh, 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 
I just, I don't know. I guess I expect a little better. I'm disappointed, as my parents would say. I mean, he did give him a warning, but Mark was just getting like so riled up and then water was thrown, water was thrown. We need to all have a little settle down meeting um maybe get a little meditation but we can do better five minute meditation yeah i think it's very i think it's very risky for richard branson to get in a water throwing fight when he's wearing a crisp white shirt like that (laughs) i was like no (laughs) well i feel like robert brought us back on track he joined in for richard's um offer of also offering 300k for another 10 percent equity so now the offer was up to 600k for 20 percent equity which is a pretty big jump from the original 5% that Yuna was asking for. It might actually be like a breach of fiduciary duty. If she took a down round and devalued her prior investor's shares, like I think she would actually have to go back to all those investors and basically say like, I'm going to make good with you. I'm going to basically reissue you a bunch of shares and give away much more of the company to get you whole. Or she might actually end up facing a lawsuit or something like that. Yeah, and I think Yuna recognized that when, you know, Robert asked for a counter at 6% and she walked away and was like, nope, I'm good, no deal. So do we still think that Simple Habit is still a company from 2017 to today? I, I think they're very likely a company, but I would say that I wouldn't be shocked if they'd fallen into some niche uh, and might be doing pretty well in that niche or something like that. But they certainly don't seem to have gotten the capital to deploy into like winning the mindshare game amongst Calm and Headspace, which are really the two front runners there. I I think they're still around, but definitely not owning the space. Well, I want you both to take a deep breath in with me and a deep breath out. (sighs) Despite not getting any deals during her pitch, Simple Habit is still around, so you both are correct. The company has a net worth of over $10 million in 2022. So while Yuna might have needed some meditation to calm herself after having Mark Cuban um, call her a gold digger, I'd say she successfully shifted that mindset and has done pretty well for herself. Yeah. yeah. It, looks like, it looks like they've raised like $13 million from like pretty decent VC firms, which is the right place for her to go. I mean... Again, if you're going to win in this game, which is super competitive, user acquisition game, you need a ton of money so that you can go super hard at brand and super hard at paying to acquire users. It's good she went out to get some. I'm not sure she got enough money. I'm not sure she got enough traction fast enough. Last up in the tank, we have... Wake and Bacon, which is a product I feel like Michael Scott would find a way to burn his foot on in the morning. Uh, Wake and Bacon is an alarm clock prototype that wakes you up to, yes, the smell of bacon in the morning by heating up actual bacon by your bedside. Uh, We have Maddie Salen entering the tank. This is from way back in season two, uh, so March of 2011. And he came to the Sharks asking for a $40,000 investment for a 20% stake, which comes out to humble 200K valuation for his product. You got to start this one, Leslie. I think it's disgusting. I hate this. Like. Tell us how you really feel. Okay, maybe it's from like living in a studio apartment where your bed is literally next to your kitchen. And I just, I hate the idea of like smelling food right when you wake up like that intensely, right? Like, I don't know. I maybe again, like I said, I lived in a very small apartment at one point in my life, like 375 square feet. And so maybe I'm just traumatized, but I just... (laughs) 
I don't like it. I don't like the thought of waking up to like bacon grease and bacon cooking next to me. So disgusting may have been a strong word, but that's kind of how I feel. But it's pre-cooked bacon. Leslie wants to wake up in her dog bed in her studio apartment <laughs> to her 40, un- 40 unread text messages with a haptic <laughs> buzz. That's what Leslie wants. We know I what just, Leslie like, wants. It's like a peaceful, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm really big into the like idea of like minimalism and... Mm cutting back on things like and so for me it's just like this is gross to me and I'm not I'm not in for the bacon the bacon alarm clock I'm so torn (laughs) I love the idea for what it's worth (laughs) this is the most torn I've ever been under a shark tank pitch in my entire life I normally come in with such strong opinion I'm just so torn on the one hand oh my gosh I could just imagine myself enjoying that delicious bacon every morning right right out of the bed on the other I think I think my room would be absolutely filthy and disgusting. Uh, I think I would be embarrassed to bring other people into my home. I think that it would speak more about my slovenliness than any anything I could say or do. So uh, I I'm just not sure I could ever actually get behind putting one in my bedroom. That said, I am not afraid of the like burning the house down. I thought Mr. Wonderful, like <laughs> he like he couldn't get off it. He's like, you're going to burn your house down. It sounds like someone's saying you're going to shoot your eye out with a BB gun. Like, thanks, dad. Like, I can put a bacon <laughs> cooker in my bedroom. OK, I mean, could you could you blame him, though? Like Maddie then went on to proceed to compare his product to of all the products that he had to to easy bake ovens, which are notoriously known for starting fires and hazards. Oh, is that true? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Maddie it's so was, funny because yeah. my notes are like, my notes are like, yeah, it's just like an easy bake oven, which so I was Chill. like, oh, yeah, Maddie no. makes sense. Yeah. Growing up as a 90s child, like I loved my easy bake oven to the point where I would just fry things. I'm surprised I did not set things on fire. Wait, but Ariel, I have to know, like you looked like you were into this. So could you please let us yes. know what you're thinking? Yeah. I mean, I'm not opposed. Like, look, you have candles that are scented like bacon. Do you? Do people I mean, buy them? It's those? a thing. There's a market for it. I mean, I understand the concept in and of itself. The execution is weird, but it's pre-cooked bacon. So there's not as much grease as what you would have. But that um, also is kind of gross, by the way. Pre- pre-cooked bacon, like that's just kind of gross. That's already I mean, kind of gross. You only we're, live life once, you know. We're here you, crushing Ariel's dreams. She just Ariel. wants like bacon when she no, wakes I, up. Yeah. YOLO, YOLO for a shorter time, I think, would be the right thing to say. Nobody, guys, nobody who's like, oh, yeah, pre-cooked bacon, like YOLO makes it that far in life. You guys, honestly, it's bacon me crazy. I'm just saying I would be for it. I love bacon. I love breakfast meats. Um, I do, too, I would, but not in my bedroom. But why not? The opportunity is there. You just wake up. Who has to go to brunch? You just wake up and have your bacon. This is what I'm saying. This is why I'm so torn on it. On the one hand, (laughs) on the one hand, I am living the best life I could ever possibly imagine for myself. And on the other, I am a disgusting, disgusting human. And I just don't know which I want to be today, which is why I'm so stuck in the middle. Maybe you can move it between the bedroom and like the kitchen. And like maybe if it's loud enough, like maybe that's the move. Maybe if you're comfortable being just like jolted awake, the alarm gets like an intense like kind of sound or like breakfast is ready and like tells you that it's time and then you smell the bacon. Like I could see that. But waking up, rolling over, smelling bacon, turning my little piggy clock off and then being like, let me just eat a piece of bacon is not working for me. 
But you have to consider the sample size of who he surveyed, right? He, at the time, Maddie was, um, ins- he was an instructor, I believe. So he surveyed college students. So I feel like if we think back to our college days, it, it, it does skew a little bit in support of the product. But I do feel like, you know, if I was a college kid and I had something right by my bed that made breakfast for me and I didn't have to go to the like cafeteria hall to get it, like I'd all be for it. <laughs> I think there's a true. I think the truth is, uh, I think the primary uh, Ariel. I love you coming out strong for this. By the way, <laughs> Thank you. I think I think the primary demographic for this is male. Uh, <laughs> I would just get that out there. Maybe I'm wrong about that. And I think that you could draw a curve. I think you could draw a curve of when in a male's life they would be interested in this product. And basically, in the early days of college, there would be high interest. And then at some point, you would realize you are interested in bringing other human beings into your bedroom and into your bed. And you suddenly would realize, I do not want a greasy bacon (laughs) cooker next to my bed. And it would drop. And I think it would stay down for quite some time. And then I think it would spike back up when you you hit 40 or whatever and uh, and turn the corner. Yeah, once you have kids and you just don't want to deal with making breakfast, mom is out on a business trip or she's like not available, take the kids to school, like. (laughs) Yeah. What I what I think was also interesting about the the pitch specifically for Wake and Bacon um, was just how honest Maddie was, um, like brutally honest. I think it was uh, Kevin that was asking, like, "Hey, do you have any projections? What are you forecasting out to be?" And he was just like, "I don't." Man, let me see if I get this right. This is a novelty item. Yes. You think you can sell how many units? I'm not sure. I don't have a projection of how many units I could sell. It's like, I have this wooden box and a lot of internet traffic. Right. I need $40,000. Can somebody help me? I wanted to know when he was like, we went viral. Like, I wanted to know in the context of that era what that meant. Yeah, that's a good point. went viral on like Truth Social, you know, like. Oh, gosh. Oh, no, stop. Stop. <laughs> well, I, and then it was interesting, too, when Mark kind of pushed him a little bit more. And then Maddie, uh, I think, just is a lot of a testament to, like, the type of character that Maddie was to say, oh, I actually need 170K, not 40K, my mistake. Like his nonchalantness of it, I think just really kind of leaned into this is more of like a novelty product, a novelty gift. And then ultimately, I mean, we saw that Kevin was out, Barbara was out, Robert and Damon uh, were out and ended up with no deal. Yeah, Wake and Bacon is like a passion project, not a legitimate business, in my opinion. Yeah. So do you think from 2011 that the Wake and Bacon actually made it mass produced and is a company? I am almost positive, not because I know this, but just because I believe it deep in my soul that somebody watched that and was like, I'm totally going to give this guy the money he needs to go do it. It's like, I don't want to believe that, but I kind of do too. Like, I kind of believe somebody was like, I want to help this guy make a prototype. I have a feeling that like there is, uh, this exists and you can like buy it online or you can maybe do that as seen on TV. But there are probably people that's like, who feel as passionately as I do on the other end of the spectrum who are willing to like do a like go fund me for the wake and bacon me. like that's probably what happened they got it I was like- gonna say Ariel's about to do a reveal where she turns her camera and we see like multiple wake and bacons next to each other it was me all along there's yeah. there's definitely like a wake and bacon reddit thread where it's just like everybody pitch in five dollars and then we can get yeah. this for real 
Yeah, I didn't tell you guys about my side endeavor. <laughs> um, so it appears that the clock has unfortunately run out on Wake and Bacon, oh. and it is no longer a company. The product was never even mass produced and is currently not for sale. Since Shark Tank, uh, Salen has served as the CEO of a three-person tech startup and has worked as a front-end web developer and a student software engineer. But as of 2022, Salen's LinkedIn profile lists him as a full-stack developer for the National Democratic Training Committee. So seems like he uh, made a bit of a pivot in his <laughs> career from the wake and bacon to... Uh, you know, a little more of the tech side, which is how we all end up in tech, right? Um, the, the, the question for him is, does he put Shark Tank on his resume? It's like a talking point. It's a talking point, And it's like something that would make you memorable. Do you think he does? Does he bring the pig to the office? I hope he still has it. Like the OG oh, Wagon Bacon is just like is an archive is a cultural archive and i feel weird being sad for him knowing that i like thought this was a terrible idea but ariel when you were like it's not a thing i was like oh it's actually kind of sad like he liked it so much (laughs) so what he does put on his resume now that we mentioned resume you found it salen claims to have been a production assistant on titanic oh is this is this like resume available for download on LinkedIn or do I have to I love that he's like making bacon in the in the wake and bacon for like Kate Winslet oh my god never let go Jack yeah um, I I have my sources Leslie Uh, but not sure if that's how he uh, he punched a ticket on another sinking ship in wake and bacon but it was fun to uh, to see that fact (laughs) oh man Today's episode is written and produced by Matthew Brown. If you like what you hear, even if you don't like what you hear, follow and subscribe to the show. But smashing that subscribe or follow button is really the most helpful thing a beautiful person like yourself can do for the show. Or send us free products. I mean, that's great. Also love a free trinket. Okay, we'll see you in the tank next week for another bite.